1: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Welcome to one of our newest series, Extended Supply Chain of the Future with Game Changers. The buzz today, the time has come. You know the rest of that, the time has come, the walrus says. Let me get started. Major global market trends are redefining your business realities. I'm talking to all of you. We have a global audience all over the world. You have issues with volatile markets today. Nothing is predictable. Nothing is steady. You have increasingly complex logistics for whatever you do, whatever you sell, whatever you produce. You have constantly changing distribution networks and competition. Woo! It's escalating. It's soaring. It's rising in places you never imagined it before. So now what are you going to do about all this? It's critical for you to understand your supply chain maturity, and may I add, or lack thereof, and focus on the right things. But what are the right things? How are you going to do it? Well, I have one word of one sentence of wisdom here before we go into detail. Morph your supply chain into demand networks. Why you're asking? Before, Because demand networks focus on the customer? The partners who help ensure you can fulfill the demand that we hope is coming in and your ability to react quickly and accurately every time. Are you ready to step up? First up on the panel, Padman Ramankudi, founder of Intrigo and regarded by manufacturing systems as an unsung hero in the supply chain space. Padman is a returning guest on Game Changers, and he has sent me a very interesting quote from Soren Kierkegaard. Let me just give you a little background. Kierkegaard uh, lived from 1813 to 1855. He was a Danish philosopher, theologian, poet, social critic, and religious author, widely considered to be the first existentialist philosopher and that's a mouthful. Uh, He was against literary critics who defined idealistic intellectuals and philosophers of his time. I won't go into any more detail but look them up. It's Soren, S-O-R-E-N, Kierkegaard, K-I-R-K-E-G. Here is the quote, to dare is to lose one's footing momentarily. Not to dare is to lose oneself. Padman, Welcome back. How have you
2: been? Very good, Bonnie. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be back. Thank you very
0: much. I love this quote. This sounds like words of wisdom from from the ages, from the mountains. To dare is to lose one's footing momentarily. Not to dare is to lose oneself. Is this a quote that you adhere to as as a, a message for your life, or is it just related to our topic today, which is something obviously way down in the very a little more mundane, but certainly very important to businesses? Padman, talk to me.
2: Now, this is, I love Soren Kierkegaard's writings. Life cannot be lived looking backward. Life is lived looking forward, right? Those are quotes that I try to live by. And I think this is any entrepreneur who starts a company, who wants to, an entrepreneur, who wants to go ahead, has to take chances. And this really reads to me, and I try to live this life uh, trying to build companies or help companies grow, so this is one of the things that I do on a daily basis.
0: Well, Padman, I'm very intrigued in your bio. You say manufacturing systems has called you an unsung hero in the supply chain space. Well, I think we're singing your praises right now. So you're no longer unsung. Once they said that, I think you, you were sung. All right, can you relate this to the, to our topic on extended supply chain morphing yeah. into demand networks?
2: Yeah, see, today's enterprises, be it IT, be it business, be it uh, any of the corporate services, are very afraid to dare and ready, not ready to embrace the changing uh, landscape of the market. The, what is the changing landscape of the market that you and I today buy on the web, expect instant gratification and Sunday delivery through USPS? Mm-hmm. Those things happen pretty much every day. But you walk into any corporate America or any organization, the first thing you say is, oh, I cannot do this. I have, I dare not bring this up. My boss will get angry. I don't have to budget. So uh, the inmates who run the asylum are driving the change <laughs> in their personal lives, but are unwilling to dare to see what is happening in the marketplace and in their supply chains today. And that to oh. me is the craziest Thing that I've seen in a long time.
0: Are, are they just hiding behind, hiding their head in the sand, or, or uh, basically under a rock because they don't want to know, or do you think that they're afraid of what they might see if they open their eyes, Padman?
2: Yeah, there are th- two parts to that. Basically, they are hiding behind because the risk averseness in most corporations, especially um, the big ones, is it's a sheer inertia. Uh, and it, uh, risk averseness. I don't want to stand up to my customer or I mean my boss and tell I need a million dollars to go make this uh, supply chain environment digital or create a new KPI index that cascades across every every element of my supply chain. Because the question will be, what were you doing with what all I asked you to do over the last five years or ten years? Uh, unfortunately, um, that inertia. Uh, allows these companies to keep on moving and trying to do the same stuff a little bit incrementally when the entire world is being upended. Because the entire world is driven by the consumer psychology that you and I exhibit on a day-to-day basis. We order flowers on the web. We order shoes on the web. We order certain things on the web. We expect everything to be digitally transacted and settled on our phones. So those elements, by the time the people get to muster their courage and get it approved from the business side, they go into the IT side, and the IT side will say, oh, I can't do this because my, my investment is in X, Y, Z, and I cannot allow you to move out of those things. So those two things are inhibiting people to move to a digital supply chain and to take advantage of what the changes are happening in the world.
0: Thank you, Padman. Great start to our conversation. Really appreciate your taking the time to educate me as well as our listeners. And now I'm going to speak with our next panelist. She is, she's with us, Giselle Roy, Director of Global Planning at Blunt. I think that's how you pronounce it. I remember meeting somebody, another one of Giselle's colleagues, at an analyst event at SAP a couple of years ago that I was hosting. And Giselle has sent me a very interesting quote from Isaac Asimov. Those of you who are scratching your heads, gee, that sounds familiar. Asimov lived from 1920 to 1992. He was an American author and professor of biochemistry at Boston University, one of my alma maters. Best known for his works of science fiction and his popular science books, his most famous work is the Foundation series. His other major Mm -hmm. series are the Galactic Empire series and the Robot series. Uh, Interestingly enough, Asimov wrote hundreds of short stories, including the social science fiction Nightfall, which was voted way back in 1964 by the science fiction writers of America as the best short science fiction story of all time and sometimes asimov wrote under he wrote juvenile science fiction books under the pen name of paul french here is the quote giselle has sent us the most exciting phrase to hear in science the one that heralds new discoveries is not eureka but that's funny <laughs> That makes me laugh. Giselle Roy, welcome. How are you, Giselle? I'm fine. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Am I right that the company's name, even though spelled B-L-O-U-N-T, is pronounced blunt, or am I am I off on that? No, you're right. It is pronounced blunt. blunt. About, okay, got it. So blunt. tell me, are yep. you a big fan of Isaac Asimov's, and how did you pick this quote? It's a great quote, by the way.
3: My husband is a huge fan of Isaac Asimov, so... I made him proud by picking uh, that quote for, for this purpose. But I also love the quote. I think it is so
0: telling. So tell me what it tells. How does it relate to our topic ab- about understanding the maturity or lack thereof of your supply chain, understanding that supply chains have to morph and grow into demand networks? Talk to me a little bit.
3: Well, you think about what he says about, you know, the great discovery is not going eureka, Eureka, it almost sounds like, okay, I'm done, I figured it out, I can move on. It's really about, huh, that's funny. That makes, it's a curiosity about looking further, about trying to figure out what else is behind there and how you can make it better. And that curiosity and that need to continuously figure out something new is key to supply chain success.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Giselle. Pleasure to have you on, and uh, welcome. And let me go to our third panelist. He is also a newcomer, as Giselle is. It's Laz Uriza, Senior Solution Principal for the Extended Supply Chain COE, Center of Excellence at SAP. And Laz apparently seems to be a movie buff. We have other panelists on other shows who love to quote movies, and now we can count Laz among them. He sent me a quote from Spy Game, a 2001 film starring Robert Redford as cia operative. Of Nathan Muir. Who's on the brink of retirement when he learns that his protege, Tom, Tom Bishop, has been arrested in China on a charge of espionage? And here is the quote that Laz has selected from the movie When did Noah build the ark, Gladys? Before the rain, before the rain. And the line before this, Laz, I found out from Gladys uh, Jenep, the character of Gladys Jenep, was, You feeling a little paranoid on our last day? And he says, When did Noah build the ark, Gladys? Before the rain. Before the rain. Lazio Riza, welcome to the show. How are you?
4: Hi, Bonnie. Good morning. How are you doing?
0: I'm well, thank you. Talk to me.
4: Well, it's funny that you talk about that quote. So the context of it is pretty interesting. He's feeling paranoid because he wants to get rid of some documents, right? So he wants to make a plan. And that's why I think it's so relatable with this topic. Uh, Most of the business uh, that I've talked to or been in, have that single plan. And when something goes wrong, then they're all scrambling in this chaos in the company trying to fix that one plan, right? So mm-hmm. if we try to relate that with uh, the quotes of the, the rest of the panelists, Giselle and Padman, it's all about taking risks, right? But the thing about the industry is nobody wants to take risks because they're terrified of the what if or what if something goes wrong, right? So... My quote was more trying to look at um, let's have a plan and a plan B and a plan C and understand what are the repercussions or the benefits of a plan failing and getting to a new one, but always be prepared. So that's why I wanted to, the moment that we were defining the topic and, and what we were talking about, I think this is perfect. When did, when did Noah build the ark? That was before the storm. We have to be ready for every storm that we live in in our supply chain world day in and day out, you know?
0: Laz, very interesting. This reminds me back to the quote that Padman sent us from, uh, from Kierkegaard, and the quote was, to dare is to lose one's footing momentarily, not to dare is to lose oneself. I think they're related. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, we need to dare but we also need to know what that dare means, right? So if we're able to plan ahead, even though you're daring, well, at least you have a a view of what might go wrong or what might the benefit be. So it makes it easier for people to dare if they have a plan behind it, not dare for the sake of daring, you know?
0: Yep. Very very interesting. I'm trying to relate it also to Giselle Roy's quote from Isaac Asimov, the most exciting phrase to hear in science, that heralds new discoveries is not eureka, but that's funny. Uh, I'm wondering the people who are daring or trying to dare themselves to dare versus trying to dare themselves to not dare are saying, I'm waiting for that eureka moment that tells me I'm right. But if they listen to Asimov, they might say... Hmm, that's funny. Maybe we should have dared sooner. <laughs> Any thoughts on that last tying them all together? What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think not. I think yeah, not to dare at all is is a big mistake, right? And and yeah. it takes all the fun out of it. Eureka is is no fun.
4: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Last I, last go exactly. ahead. Exactly. I think I think Eureka means you found exactly what you wanted. Whereas that funny is it's one of those things that you weren't expecting, but you greatly appreciate, right? So I think that planning would take a little bit out of the "that's funny equation, but it will also be a positive thing for most of us. I think that that's funny. It's something that you didn't expect to, but it's a, a very great benefit that we usually get from, uh, from daring and experimenting new ways of doing business, new ways of living our life, basically.
0: Yep. Th- thank you very much trying to tie all three quotes together. Anything you want to add before I go back? And I'm going to start with you, actually, Padman, and ask you, what are you drinking? What's in your cup today? But any thoughts on tying the quotes together?
2: It it works. It it is the reality of uh, one's uh, professional life, because you are always uh, trying to behave within an organizational boundary. But you also need to plan. And when you land where you think you're going to land, you find out it's not nirvana, meaning I don't go forward anymore. It's not that there is an end. It's just, oh, I never expected it. I want to move forward. So I think it works well together. The funny that we, three of us came with uh, three different quotes, and it all ties back together to the topic at the end. That's interesting.
0: Isn't, isn't that the beauty of the whole thing? And I'm going to say, Giselle, I'm going to say, that's funny. <laughs> We just made just made a scientific discovery. You put three panelists together in three separate rooms, and you say, "Come up with a quote sort of related to the topic." And then we have our I get the Eureka moment, and we're all saying, "That's funny." It all does work <laughs> out. And I'm Padman. It's time for our little storytelling segment. You know what I'm going to ask you? First yeah. of all, where where are you calling from? What time of the day or later is it? If it's not morning, what are you drinking right now, or what are you thinking about drinking after the show? Padman Ramakudi from Intrigo.
2: Hi, I'm uh, calling you from the wet bay area. Lots of rain. Thank God, our drought is over or coming to close. I'm drinking a hot cup of ginger tea. Uh, this is uh, made uh, with black tea and ex- real ginger. So I made that and I sat in front of my computer, and my phone to make the call uh to this uh, to talk to you and your and the guests, Bonnie.
0: Thank you very much, Padman, and welcome back. How are your colleagues at uh, Intrigo? Haven't talked to all of you in a while. Everybody good?
2: Very good. We're doing very good, and lots of uh, changing supply chains around the world. Uh, We're all over the world, from um, the Middle East to the Singapore to all over North America, implementing supply chains.
0: That's what we're talking about. Thank you very much. And now let's turn to Giselle Roy. Giselle, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking today, or what are you thinking about drinking?
3: So I am calling in from Guelph, Canada. I'm in one of our manufacturing plants where we're having a meeting asking ourselves what's funny or that's funny um, (laughs) and trying to figure out what we're going to do with that. Um, The weather actually is kind of warm. We came in last week. It was uh, quite cold, and now it's warming up. It's in the 50s. I am drinking pure life water, um, but thinking about... Some Monte Rosso wine that I should be having with my family later this week. Hopefully, some lot number no. one or some Monte Rosso Cabernet. It's, that makes me instantly happy just when I smell it.
0: <laughs> well, that's nice to know. <laughs> Pull out that cork, and we've got a happy lady. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah, that's Giselle. A Eureka. We- <laughs> Eureka. Yes, Giselle has her wine. Thank you very much. And Lazareza, where are you calling from and what's in your cup today?
4: Well, I'm calling from Los Angeles. Um, it's kind of cold for Los Angeles standards. I don't want to make the East Coast jealous, but it's just <laughs> shy of sixty degrees. But uh, it's cold for us here in uh, in LA. And uh, as for what's in my cup, it's actually a cup of coffee, an espresso. To be precise, um, it's one of my favorite drinks. Been drinking it for ten years, maybe uh with the same machine what actually happened was a supply chain nightmare getting this machine with me so I'm very much attached to it <laughs>
0: You know what? You're not making me jealous, and I'll tell you why. I'm in New York. It's going to be around 60 today, and tomorrow we're going to hit the high for the year, 70 degrees. That's right. That's right. Freezing freezing, snowy uh snowmageddon just about six weeks ago in New York. We're going to hit 70 degrees tomorrow, and I have friends who just went to Florida for a respite, and guess what? They should have stayed here because we're having better weather than they are, so there you go. Listen, our topic today is very important it's it's time for a new competitive edge, time to morph your standard, your same old, same old, if you have one, supply chain, morph them into demand networks. We have a lot to talk about, a very interesting panel. We have Padman Ramakuti, founder of Intrigo. Welcome back, Padman. We are meeting for the first time Giselle Roy, Director of Global Planning at Blount. I hope I'm pronouncing that right again. And we have Lazio Riza, Senior Solution Principal for Extended Supply Chain. Center of Excellence at SAP. And we have to do a shout out to Rick Imber at SAP, who is the sponsor of this series, one of our brand new series, Extended Supply Chain of the Future with Game Changers Radio. And as I often say at the beginning of these shows that have future in the title, the future is what happens. There, in that split second after I stopped talking, that was the future, so I'm going to have to stop talking again so we can have the future. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to give Giselle and Padman and Laz a chance to take a sip of something that's in front of them, and when we come back, we're going to kick off the roundtable. I think we're going to start with uh, Giselle. We plan to have you first. We're going to talk a little bit about what is going on today with supply chain. So, To our audience, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Rising customer expectations, complex supply networks, and a focus on your business's bottom line. Make it more important than ever to bring your extended supply chain into the future. Your extended supply chain is one of the most critical components of your business success. From matching supply to demand with efficient order fulfillment, to designing and manufacturing amazing products, hear how you can bring your extended supply chain into the future. Our experts discuss how the extended supply chain of the future is producing dramatic results to businesses worldwide. The extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers
0: are. We're back with, in no particular order, Giselle Roy at Blunt, B-L-O-U-N-T. I don't have a Canadian accent. I can't say it right. Laz Uriza at SAP (laughs) and Padman Ramakudi at Intrigo. And Giselle has agreed to start the roundtable with me. Very interesting, provocative notes I have from Giselle. So let me read a little and then she will dive in and then we will invite Padman and Laz to give us their point of view giselle says it shouldn't be this hard it seems that the simplest questions or what we think is a simple question sends our teams into a frenzy of pulling data from multiple sources building excel spreadsheets filled with pivot tables and pivot tables and v lookups and after a day or two of waiting we get the basic answer and we come up with follow-up questions that sends them back into the data again uh, it looks like people don't have the smart tools they need. Giselle, why don't you explain this and, and take us into this, please? Okay. So in supply
3: chain, everything is about data. And making the right decisions are based on that data. It's critical to, to being efficient and to being to doing the right things. And th- there's nothing more difficult. I mean, most companies, all of us live in supply chain. Uh, we live in these Excel sheets. That just grow into these monsters, you know. Multiple tabs of data pulled from multiple sources, and we build these V lookups and these pivots, and we end up with a mega, mega, meg file that we can barely share. And then, you know, when we think we have something that we can present to make a decision on, there comes the additional question, and guess what? That additional question it isn't in these files, and we got to go back and start over. So, <sighs> we spend three weeks of the month trying to figure out the path and trying to work up the data so that we can make a decision. And we spend one week doing the added value exercise of actually executing to a goal. And for us, it was really important to change that trend um, to become more efficient and to find tools that would absolutely help us to be more efficient than to to, to just use elbow grease and, and put so much sweat into just pulling data before we can even start thinking about, you know, what's funny. Mm -hmm. And so for us, that meant making a smart investment. And the thing is, people want to invest in all kinds of different tools and toys, and we all get IT happy. Um, There are some investments that are smart investments and that bring value back to you. And for us, that investment really was using uh, the IBP for SNOP solution so that we can get away from it shouldn't be this hard. And we're, that's, that's our number one goal for this year. It's really trying to get to a place where it isn't this hard, and we can pull data, and we can give answers, and we can um, do what-if scenarios. And like it was mentioned earlier, you know, think about A, B, and C, and have contingency plans so that we can react quickly. And uh, that's it's a difficult thing. It really is hard, and I'm the first one to say it should take you 10 minutes. <laughs> and then wow. later,
0: I can't, an answer comes back, and it's not the right one. Yeah. G- Giselle, tell me something. Uh, what does your company do? Just briefly, we haven't said that on the show, so people know. And do and your comments apply to all companies? Who are we talking about? Who, who Whom in our audience are we specifically addressing when you talk about supply chain? Ugh, it shouldn't be that hard. Who are you talking to? I think I'm
3: talking to almost anybody, Um, no matter what size the company is, right? We've talked to to Fortune 100 companies, and we've networked with smaller companies, big companies, all kinds of manufacturers. We all share the same experience. It really is that hard. We really all live in spreadsheets. Um, we're, We're all the same. Everybody thinks they're different, but we're not. We're all the same. And so for Blunt International, what our company does, our company is based out of Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. It's a U.S.-based company. Um, the claim to fame for Blunt International was this gentleman named Joe Cox invented the chainsaw chain by observing a beetle eating wood. Ooh. And so he was the first inventor of chainsaw chain, and that is our claim to fame. It's our largest selling product. We're the largest manufacturer of chain in the world. And we also make bars and outdoor accessories and forest lawn and garden and we have divisions in uh, constructions and divisions in agriculture as well. And you can find us on our website, um, Blunt.com.
0: Giselle, do you think he had that moment instead of saying Eureka, looking at, the, at this uh, insect and saying, Well, that's funny. I think I'll invent a chainsaw that does that. What do you think was that, that discovery moment? Any thoughts on that? No doubt. No doubt. Most <laughs> of the companies today, most
3: anything that was invented is by somebody who had that instinct to go, that's funny, what can I do with that? What can I learn from that? And not going, oh, Eureka, I know the bug is eating wood, and move, and just walk away, right? Um, that is the mindset that we should have in supply chain, because we have to find ways that it is not this hard, and always think about, that's funny, why is this so hard, and how can I make it easier? And then find partners that can help us make it easier and and continue to think that way. Because change is constant, it's fast, and we don't have the luxury to sit back a lot. So that's funny should be something that we ask ourselves all the time.
0: Thank you very much. Great intro to this part of our topic. Padman Ramakudi at Intrigo. What do you think about what Giselle just introduced?
2: Uh, Giselle is 100% right. Uh, when we go into companies and we talk to companies and supply chain um, practitioners, the challenge is how much they have to dig into to get a simple, simple answer. You would think um, you would think these are easy to get. I was talking to a company yesterday night in Dubai who has a worldwide supply chain for a facial cream that they do for that they sell all over the world it's a german company and the idea that you have to dig so much uh, information bring it and the latency that comes with that information never satisfies anybody up or down the chain so the guys in the trenches are going back to getting more data the guys in the and the gals in the ups, uh in the office upstairs don't want that data and they said there's something wrong with this data so if you really look at it um the, the only constant change that we can adhere to is figure out a mechanism that tells you how to react to change consumer behaviors or even uh, you and I walking into the Home Depot looking for that blunt chain, Oregon chainsaw. And if we don't find it, how do we react? And if we don't find it, does blunt know that its supply chain is lacking a stock out, is seeing a stock out at the store? So this type of uh, challenge is only going to accelerate as more and more of the markets are becoming digitized, and more and more interactions are going to become digitized. So I think um, Giselle and our team had to do and react early enough because they discovered uh, one thing: they did, they basically said it's not about the only by the tool; it's about finding a way to become more efficient in delivering the digital data that is more important to making decisions about the supply chain. It is more important to get to the data faster, cheaper, quicker, so that we can react faster, cheaper, quicker. That's really what I think is, is the go-forward position from, uh, from a point of new supply chain or digital supply chains, as one would call it. The data faster. is as important as the, mm-hmm. t- as the product.
0: Faster, cheaper, quicker. Focus on data. Thank you. Great words of wisdom here. Lazio at SAP, please join this part of the conversation. What do you think?
4: I think it, it's exactly what I wanted to say, right? Uh, my point was basically the same as, as Giselle
2: mentioned, right?
4: Most of the uh, supply chain executives out there are basing all their decisions right now through gut feeling, right? Because they have a lot of experience and they know basically what's going to happen and they live on that huh that's funny moment you know whereas they're guessing something has to go because they've lived through it but they're not really sure so the whole idea is to give them all the information give them digestible information they can understand and they can read through so that they turn that that funny moment into a eureka moment and so i meant to do that as opposed to just let's hope you know and the biggest issue there is I, I, I love that they have that gut feeling where they can deliver based uh, blindfolds but the thing is they are our older workforce who understand the business have been there for a long while but what's going to happen in the next generation where, when they need to transition that in that knowledge base to younger uh, executives to younger um, uh, supply chain specialists right they need the information so that they could succeed. Otherwise, we're going to have that same learning curve we had 20 years ago all over again, and we want to do that transition, and the only way to do it is with correct data to help them out make those decisions happen.
0: Thank you, Laz. Appreciate that. Giselle, I'm going to circle back to you since you started this part of the roundtable. Any thoughts you'd like to comment on what your colleagues on the panel have shared with us, Padman and Laz? I couldn't agree
3: more. I think we're all on the same page, and, and it's undeniable that, you know, being efficient, being fast, having the right data at the right time, being able to answer those questions, having the ability to, to do something about that's funny is everything now and going forward. Without that, it's, it's just too hard, and you're going to be left behind. It's going to
0: get bowled over. Yep, bowled over, and that's not what we want. We want we want to have, even if we can only have a Eureka, we'll take that, right, Giselle? And then we'll look for the that's funny moment after. I think that's going to be the mantra for the show today. Thank you for that great quote. <laughs> ah, here we go. Padman, I'm looking at your notes. So many interesting places to go. A couple places I'd like to talk about. Number one, you say digital supply chains invoke ideas ranging from 3D printing to big data to Internet of Things. But I also see something here. You say omni-commerce is the norm. Retail-only models are dying. Last-mile execution will grow your business. We see this every day with Amazon, Google, Walmart, everything. Why don't we go with the omni-commerce since we're trying to take a forward view here? What do you think, Padman? Talk to me.
2: So today, omnicommerce is the norm. What is omnicommerce? I want to have the same experience of buying, and this is at the consumer level. When I walk into a store, or when I walk to the web store, web store or website, or when I buy through a third party channel like Amazon or Google, the product you, that I want to buy, whether it's an apparel or a pair of shoes or your uh, jewelry or whatever, this omni-commerce experience, if you look at it, especially in apparel footwear, what we are seeing is a lot of companies in the long tail that are custom-built and they are built for addressing a particular niche, a particular category or demography of a consumer. And we are able to do this because in the e-commerce world, everything is digital, whether you visited my website, whether you visited my Facebook page, I'm able to track and trace you and then cater to your needs based on how much time you spent looking at at the uh, catalog or how much time you spent wherever um, in the website, right? Or your, I get access to your buying patterns. So the hyper-personalization of the Omnicom of the channels allow me to tailor my commerce to you and give you the same experience, whether you come into the retail store or whether you come into the electronic store, regardless of who we do it. And I think the biggest challenge in omni-channel, the omni-commerce, is the expectation of the consumer. The expectation is immediate, instant, and, okay, I placed the order on Amazon for a branded product that I didn't buy from the brand itself but through a third party, and I can expect it two days because I'm an Amazon Prime environment. So if you really look at this retail models, whether you look at the latest news from Macy's or Walmart, how they are all reconfiguring their assets to take advantage of this digital explosion, you'll see that they are spending less on retail-only channels and more on digital commerce and omni-commerce. And I think... the the problem of our demand networks really is this. How do I track a sale of one unit directly to Giselle or Bonnie or Lars, and how do I cater to that individual supply chain, yet take advantage of these economies of scale, and yet take advantage of, of what I normally do in supply chain management? That's really the biggest challenge facing us.
0: Thank you very much. Lazariza, love to have you chime in. Thoughts, please? Well,
4: I, 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 I agree with Patman. I think there's a big, big opportunity. And if you see there's a cross pollination in the AMI channel, right? In the sense that you have what are defined as web rumors or show rumors, what, what that means is there's a lot of people out there that do most of their homework. Uh, online, right they do their homework online and research a product and whatnot, and then they go to a store like best Buy and uh, and purchase it there right that's like fifty percent of their uh of their customer base is doing this doing all of their homework online and then go and buy it and alternatively the the Amazon people go out to Best Buy or to Walmart or whatever and see the product live see if they like it and then they go home and buy it so that feeds into into padman 's point that they are looking for the exact same experience that relates to each other so that they can buy a purchase. It's no longer just looking out for a product that you like in the supermarket and buying it. Most of the higher-ticket uh, products are being bought through both channels, not only one anymore. So it's, it's becoming a bigger trend more and more with uh, with younger generation. So having that product available and in, in complete in, in every channel that you can is becoming uh, a, a huge challenge not only for the manufacturers but for the retailers because they have so many um, different places to buy. So it's, it's, it's an interesting mix how we have to handle this and how they make all of these products be available for consumers everywhere. So I, I think it's, it's, the future is now.
0: The future is now. Even as he stops saying that in that split second, the future is now. I think it's already gone. I think we missed it. It's passed. We're going to have to stop again. Thank you very much, Laz. Giselle Roy, love to have you chime in. Thoughts, please? Well, couldn't agree more. And for us as a manufacturer, you
3: know, selling globally through every channel possible we go beyond that right we there's end user consumer distributor dealer direct web sales catalog sales um, OEMs we we do all of it depending on the geography that we're talking about in our distribution channels and we try to distribute that through multiple shipping points and and manufacturing plants that come from all over and procured goods and it gets really really noisy and trying to satisfy that level of expectation through all of that is is really really difficult and um you know the the delivery of a one unit over 24 hours or the delivery of a full container over the next week or a deliver and trying to figure out how to flow all of that through and it's not getting easier um to Padman's point, more and more consumers want that consumer experience, and more the the clean definition between those challenge and the rules of engagement are kind of fading, and they're getting closer and closer, and the expectation is getting higher and higher. And um, trying to run a supply chain in that complexity is is a huge, huge, huge challenge. It's not easy. Thus, the multiple spreadsheets, pivot sheets, the megabytes of data, and the, the, the trying to figure out what is the best way to do this. The
1: Thank world is changing.
3: People, people, they want everything now. We all know the instant gratification comment, mm-hmm. the ability to know that it's there. I'm going to get it. There's no doubt. I know exactly where it is, and I can track it from the moment it's shipped to the next day to, to every touch point to it's huge.
0: We're spoiled, we're demanding, we're informed, we're educated we're we're needy and greedy, and we want it now and I was looking, I think in your your notes, I think I saw a statement here that said, um uh what do you say? you said we like your brand, but let me see if I can find that quickly. I like your brand, but if I can't, yeah, we like your brand, but if it's not on the shelf when I want it, I will not wait for it." Very interesting. Thank you, Giselle. Padman, this was your topic. Any thoughts on what Giselle and Laz just shared with us?
2: Yeah, Very. Um, regardless of whether you're in the retail side of the business or the B2B side of the business, uh, the supply chain challenges are remain the same, right? Basically, what we are seeing is uh, a changing public, a changing consuming public, and uh, what we have to do as enterprises, or, as people working in enterprises is help these enterprises adapt to that change uh even today, fifty percent of enterprises still use technologies from the forty years from forty years ago, like e d i and email or fax to get and ship <laughs> orders i mean, you would think the twenty year old doesn't even know what a fax machine is sometimes when you can get them <laughs> into the office right.
0: <laughs> oh that's funny it's, it's not funny it's sad and and uh yes i want to go to something from Laz. now thank you very much Laz. i want to get into a a Detailed description of what demand networks are. Have we been talking about them already? Have we been alluding to them? We talked about the issues, the problems, the ancient, if you will, software and systems and the, oh, spreadsheets. Poor Giselle and her people. Spreadsheets, spreadsheets, spreadsheets. Enough already. Even when Giselle, when we do shows on uh, financial excellence with game changes, we talk about how the, the role of the finance officer, the CIO and his or her team has morphed to, to stewards of the business. Business and not just keepers of the green eye, the eye shade and the green lamp in the basement pouring over spreadsheets and doing past tense reports all day and all night. So we, we are moving away from that and we have to get you away from that too. Laz, talk to me. Uh, I'm just going to read a couple of notes here from your, from your uh, notes you sent me before the show. You say, gut feeling is not a sustainable business model, nor is it transferable knowledge. Operational and financial decisions are scattered, uncoordinated, and often made by gut feelings without the use of all available facts. So how do we move from this scenario? I think we've established that it's there. It's passe. It's futile. It's not getting companies to where they need to go. It's not putting you in front of what you need to keep your supply chain producing and and delivering the way your customers now demand. How do we get to demand networks, Laz? Well,
4: that's a very comprehensive question, Bonnie. So there's many things, right? Uh, we're talking about first breaking down the silos, right? We live in a world where finance does their own thing, supply chain does their thing, and manufacturing does their own thing, right? They all have different ideas, but at the end we all have the same goal, but we never talk about it till that uh, closing meeting at the end of the month. So that's the first wall you have to take down to make sure that everybody's collaborating and everybody's working towards the same goal at the same time with the same information, that sounds very like a run-on sentence, but it means a lot. Like, they all, they, they all live on each other's information, but they don't know about it till the very end. So that, for me, is one of the main things. And if you move forward to demand uh, networks, we understand that we're thinking of the, the consumer as the, uh, like the starting point of our supply chain. If we do that, now we're talking about an uh, a industry of one, Right. We're moving into a place where we have individualized products. We're moving into a place where everybody has wants to have some differentiator in their own product versus the next one, right? So we have to cater to one person, which makes all of our data and all of our, our, our spreadsheets very granular. So that only makes it much, much that more of data and that much difficult to understand and explore and to ship and to manage and to do all the things that we do on a greater scale, on a very, very small granular level. So that is also sending most of the companies to scramble. So I think that's a very big thing that we have to think about where we, when we want to plan about our demand networks. We have to start at once, yes, but we have to have that collaboration aspect with the entire company and have people accountable for what they're doing Otherwise, we're operating in different versions, and at the end, when we try to mix them and and, and make sense of a one single uh, report, then it's when we have additional conversations to make sure that well, I thought that this is what we wanted. I thought this is what well, we had to do, and these are the uh, the KPIs that I was uh, working on. So they don't know they don't always make sense at the very end. We have to make sure that we are talking at least the same language to make sure that we uh, meet our expectations and we. Uh, most more, more sympos- more importantly, meet our customers' demands.
0: Thank you, Laz. Giselle, love to get your POV on this. Thoughts?
3: I love this conversation.
0: Good, <laughs> good. That's why we're all here. That's why we're here. That's great. Go, talk to me. <laughs> One
3: of the biggest challenges, what, the thing that's most difficult, too, is exactly that, right? And, and having that common goal and being able to have that conversation... It's not that easy because we have salespeople that go, I'm going to sell X million dollars, and then I'm going to sell it in this geography, right? And then I might have some seasonality, and that's what I'm going to do this year. And then you have finance who are like, we have this working capital goal. We're going to make this EBITDA. Uh, This is what we want to reach as a financial target, then we have our manufacturing plants who are like, this is our goal. We want to be at this cost, and we need to make this much volume to be at that breakpoint point and to have that cost and this and that. And in the middle, we have supply chain. We're looking at everybody going, what skew is that, and how many do you need when, and where is it going to be sold? So to get everybody... In this, like to be able to live in that same living room and have a translator for those conversations so that there isn't that disconnect of I thought you meant this or I thought you meant that, and to be really understanding um, your customer demand and really tying it into every functional area so that we can all understand that that means the same thing is, is quite the challenge because we none of us speak the same language, we need a translator.
0: Giselle, are we referencing back to the days of the Tower of Babel or Babel or however you – I don't know how Canadians say that, but the Tower of Babel is how we say it here in New York. We're talking about everybody speaking at the same time in their own language. Does that describe it? Pretty close. I would say it's pretty close, (laughs) but we're all trying to talk to each other. We just don't know how to. I think that's what it's all about. Guess what? We're all going to talk to each other right now because it's time for us to quickly move into the crystal ball predictions round of the show. Padman, I know I didn't give you a chance to comment on what Laz was talking about a moment ago, but if you want to make that part of your predictions, I think that would work for us very well. So Padman Ramakudi from Intrigo, why don't you tell us, uh, if you like the year 2020, you know Padman, it's still my favorite, but it's it's almost here, for goodness sake. The future is here. Whoops, it's gone. So uh, take a look into the crystal ball at Intrigo and tell me what do you see will be different at what point in time about this topic, new competitive edge demand networks. I think we should have just called it getting rid of the – tower or climbing the Tower of Babel demand networks. I think that's what we should have called the show, Giselle. So, Padman, predictions, one the minute, prediction, go.
2: the enterprises <laughs> of – 2020, at least the top enterprises of 2020 will have three things that they would have solved in that enterprise. One is organizational alignment. How does finance talk to supply chain, talk to operations? Organizational boundaries will be fluid, meaning they are not as rigid as today, where the finance guy cannot talk to the supply chain guy because my KPI is not necessarily aligned. And the organizational balance is good. That's at an organizational level. From a supply chain software point of view, I think what we will see is a highly tuned demand-sensing network model, meaning you as a consumer, Bonnie, when you walk into Bloomingdale's or Macy's or whichever company is left standing, I do not know. I can't make that prediction. Touche. <laughs> Touche, yes. But you as a person, when you walk in, or you sitting in Long Island or New York, making an order on the web at that same site will have the same experience and will get the same experience of gratification, of fulfillment uh, in the reasonable time with a very limited uh, friction in your commerce or your interaction. And I think that will come because the machine learning and artificial intelligence will start to take over the demand planning aspects and demand sensing because we are dealing with... Data. If we thought we had data in supply chain, we are in 2020. It'll be 10x the amount of data that we are today processing for demand. It'll be at an individual skew and an individual uh, person, and we need to know how to satisfy that. The organization will be smart enough to aggregate the data and make uh, and react optimally to you, the individual. That's where I think we are going. So we are going to see machine learning driven demand networks that sense and respond and give you that omni-commerce or omni-experience by 2020, at least in the top brands that we know.
0: Thank you very much. That's a mouthful. I appreciate it. I'm glad we have optimism here, and that's what we're all about. Giselle Roy, tell me, what do you see in the crystal ball?
3: I'm going to take a different approach to crystal ball, and I'm going to talk um – from the, the soft side of business, I'm going to talk about people and the future generation coming into supply chain. So, supply chain um, the, the is predicted to be more and more difficult to recruit inside a supply chain. People want work-life balance. They want to feel success. They want to breathe. And if we cannot make sure that we can provide success to our workers in supply chain, we are going to struggle with employee retention. We really are. And if um, we don't have the tools to be successful, if we don't have the training, if if we don't have the knowledge and we don't keep up, um, we're going to be struggling with having supply chain employees, long-term supply chain employees, that want to stay into that field. And so my crystal ball is, this is a new generation coming up. They're an electronic generation. Uh, tying that to Padman's comments on demand sensing and being able to meet those customer needs and realizing that we can be successful at it is um, crucial to the future of supply chain.
0: Thank you very much. And, Laz, I, say, I think I warned you if they go long, you're going to go short. And, Laz, I have 30 seconds for you to give me your prediction. So, Laz, you're at SAP. Go.
4: Okay, my prediction is a lot like supply chain being a person, a body. The only thing I expect is that our mind is as powerful as our strength. This means think about for the supply chain executives, make sure that our company is physically capable of delivering the, the, the gold that is coming out of these systems, right? We are making the minds of our system and supply chain brilliant. Now that we have the physical strength to deliver on that on that new knowledge, can we actually make all of these things happen based on what we know? I think that's going to be the big challenge in the three, four years to come to make it to 2020
0: thank you very much very well put and thanks for being brief and to the point I want to thank my three panelists Giselle Roy at Blunt and Padman Ramakudi at Intrigo Laz thanks for putting together a great panel Laz good job and a shout out again to Rick Imber, who is the sponsor of this series Extended Supply Chain of the Future with Game Changers Radio the longest title we have out of all 21 series I produce thank you very much for that Rick good topic good conversation uh, thanks to everyone Padman is already retweeting his predictions here. Thank you very much. And uh, we we look forward to anybody who uh, listened to the show today or anybody who listens on demand. We'd love to see your comments on Twitter at hashtag SAP radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today. I'll be back in an hour from now with another live show. We'll be on Business Network Innovation with Game Changers talking about millennials and technology impacting and revolutionizing your business. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to the extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.